Welcome back to Defeat the Darkness. This is Vivian L. Miller. I'm here with C.J. Jones. We're going to have a second, um, a second episode about back to the basics. There's a lot of things in the basic, just basic Christian, what I think is basic Christianity, which a lot of people have never been taught is what the Lord. <coughs> so uh, how are you doing, Cheryl? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. How are you? Blessed, abundantly, highly favored, deeply loved of the Lord. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so we're going to talk about being back to the basics. But one of the things that the Lord quickened me on today was people, you know, there's a lot of talk in this modern world, in this, this progressive, woke society about identity. We have identity politics. You know, people are, are choosing to, to give somebody a certain um, standing based on their eth ethnicity rather than their character, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's the way it's been in this modern world. But we are not, our identity is in, is in Christ. It's in the anointed one and his anointing. Absolutely. And in order for us to have the kind of life that God intended us to have, we have to not only know that we're redeemed from the curse and redeemed to the blessing, which is what we talked about last time, but we also have to know our identity. We have to know who we are. That's right. That's absolutely, I mean, the, the Lord really had me last week um, going throughout the word and kind of going over the verses of who God says I am. Mm -hmm. you know so that's something that i encourage everyone to do you know at, at some point during your you know reading the bible and getting back to basics you start going through the word and highlighting who god says you are right in him in whom that those scriptures there's over a hundred almost 200 if i remember right scriptures that talk about who we are in him right or in whom yeah you know, and when you start, especially and especially when you're dealing with the New Testament, that's mainly where those scriptures are. But knowing who you are, and it's not about you know, I'm I'm all that, mm -hmm. you know, I'm better than everybody else. It's not about me. It's about who I am in that joint air airship with Jesus Christ. Right, <clears throat> and you have to understand actually who you are in order to to get the fullest effect of, of scripture and, you know, understanding who God is and the, the power and authority that you have, um, in him. Right. Because you are, you are that joint heir with Jesus Christ. Right. This is the firstborn among many brethren. Precisely. And who's the, who are the many brethren? Us Christians. Exactly. Exactly. It's not somebody, you know, 2,000 years ago, that's part of that many brethren. We're still part of that many brethren. Mm -hmm. When Abram was told he was going to have, a, you know, children, he was supposed to have a multitude. Right. Well, he didn't have a multitude in the natural. He had two, one that was born of the flesh and one that was born of God. Yeah. But the multitude came from all of us. Right. We are that multitude because he is he is the father of many nations. Correct. So obviously that includes all of us. 
Well, and it, we talked about Galatians 3, 13, 14, and 29 last week. Uh -huh. Galatians 3.29 says, And if you be Christ, or if you be the anointed ones, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's right. Go to Romans 8 for me. Romans, okay. And we're going to look at verse 17 first. 17, okay. And if if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with the anointed one and his anointing, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Right. Read it in yours, please. It says, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. And the world does not like the image of Jesus in us. Mm -hmm. Because the world is full, has the devil's influence. And he's, that's what he didn't like in the garden. Was seeing Adam and the woman walking around with the glory of God on them. Right. He's always wanted that glory for himself. Uh-huh. Go to verse 29, Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. Oh, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Right. So he's the firstborn, we're the many. Right. Read it in yours, please. This for God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I like yours. Yeah. I like yours in that one. It's a little more clear. The thing of it is that so many people that I religious people that I've known over the years are so adamant about you can't call those things which be not as, as though they were. You can't make God do anything. He's God. You can't tell him what to do. People who know their who know who they are and who identify with Christ because they are in him understand that they are not telling God what to do. They are merely doing what God said to do. Right, exactly. He said, put me in remembrance of my word. It's in Isaiah. I don't remember which chapter, but he says, put me in remembrance of my word. Mm -hmm. Let us plead together. We have a contract or a covenant with God. And right. when you go before him and you declare his word before him, you are saying, I agree with this and I am asking you to help me enforce it. Right. There's, there's no pride in that. Right. You know, and as you were saying that, it was just coming up in my spirit. You know, I, I could hear God saying, you know, I, I love to be reminded of my word. You know, it's not a bother to me. Right. You know, and it's not, you know, uh, a lot of times, you know, in the natural, when we remind people of things that they've said in the past, you know, they've told us, you know, they get irritated that we that we keep bringing it up. You know, they don't want to be reminded constantly of things of the past. But that's not how God is. You know, especially when it comes to his word, he's like, you know, 
speak my word to me, to remind me of what I said. Correct. You know, and that's, that's one of the awesome things that we can do on a daily basis. And he's never going to get tired of that. And also it's like, we, it's like, um, we've said this many times before the scripture that says angels hearken to the voice of the word. Correct. They so don't, they can't, the, the word does not have a voice unless we speak it. Right. So that's something that we have, we should be doing daily, you know, speaking the word and giving voice to it and speaking it and speaking it and speaking it. And we can't really emphasize that enough. I know we talk about it all the time on here. But but it it bears repeating because people are still afraid to do it. Right. Because they've been taught you can't tell God what to do. And words are not that important. They're just, they're just meant for communication. No, they were meant for creation. That was the that was the reason words came into existence in the first place. Right. God, when God created the the earth in Genesis one, he wasn't having a conversation with his words. There was nothing there. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you you go through that the whole first part of Genesis, Genesis one, you know, and in your reading, you know, God, God spoke and it was God spoke and it was, you know, God never does anything without first speaking it. Correct. Correct. And it was the same with Jesus. Jesus did what Jesus did. He spoke it, but Jesus always spoke the end result, but so does God. God speaks the end result. And Jesus always said, you know, I always say what I hear my father say. Yeah, he wasn't speaking out of turn. That's right. And so when we're speaking the word, we're not doing that either. We're not speaking out of turn. We're, we're saying what God says. We're speaking the word. I am looking for a scripture. Maybe you can help me find it. Okay. Where it was in Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm trying to find it in my in my um, concordance and I'm not haven't found it yet but in Sodom and Gomorrah when all that was going on it was God and Abram or Abraham at that point talking about God said I'm going to you know I'm going to get rid of everybody I'm going to just and and it was Abraham that said well what if there's what if there's 10 righteous people you're going to kill them all for 10 right you know or 100 righteous I think he started at the high number yeah, and, and stopped at ten. Do you remember where that is? I wish I'd thought of it before we started. I know what scripture you're talking about. Um, hang on. If I didn't have my setup here for the podcast, I would look on my the other one that I have. Do you have that that um, Paul Avery? Bible that we have on your phone. Paul Avery. Yeah, the Holy Bible that I sent you that I told you I use, I've used for years is by Paul Avery. Mm, I don't. I don't know if I've got the app on my phone. I remember you sending it to me, but I don't. I don't recall if I downloaded it or not. Because I've, I've, it's got an excellent search in it. I just. Yeah. I just can't navigate there right now. 
Is it in Genesis? Oh gosh, eighteen. That's what I was trying to find it, because in that whole thing, you know, they, they t- these the religious people will say you can't tell God what to do, but the thing of it is, is Abraham and Abraham and, and God went back and forth, and yeah. He negotiated with Him. Look at Genesis eighteen thirty two. Yeah, I'm, I'm headed there now. See, I knew I knew that I, you would help me find it. Yeah, that is that's that was where he got the ten, but it started with. Um, let's see here. I want to back up where he said, and the starting. Eight, thank you, Genesis eighteen, starting at verse. Um, 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do, seeing that Abraham surely will become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him, he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he spoken of him, spoken of him. And the Lord said, Because the cry of the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great. And because their sin is so very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which has come unto me. And if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, Will you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure, this is verse 23. Peradventure, there will be fifty. If there be fifty righteous within the city, will you also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from you to do after that manner to slay the righteous with the wicked. He's saying to the Lord, "You're a righteous God. You're a mm-hmm. just God. Why would you do this?" Right. And me and people, the religious people, will say, "You can't do that with God." Well, Abraham did it. I mean, he wasn't born again. Um, and the righteous would should be the be as the wicked for far from you that shall not the judge of all the earth do do right. And the Lord said, if I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sake. And Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I've taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am I am but dust and ashes. Peradventure, there be a lack of five of the 50 righteous. Will you destroy the city for lack of five? In other words, for 45. And he said, if I find the 40 and five, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again and said, peradventure, there be 40 found in there. And he said, I will not do it for 40's sake. And he said unto him, oh, let not the Lord be angry and I shall speak peradventure. If there be 30 found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find 30. And he said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak to the Lord, peradventure. If there be 20 found there, and he said, I will not destroy it for 20, for 20's sake. And he said, Oh, let that not be the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet this once. He, he, he himself put the end to it, not God. Mm-hmm. He said, I will speak this once. In other words, on this is my last time I'm saying this. Peradventure. 10 be found there. And he said, I will not destroy for 10 sake. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing, communing with Abram, Abraham and Abraham returned unto his place. He didn't say arguing. He said communing. 
Mm-hmm. Read that in yours, starting at verse 23. I know it's kind of long, but I think it may make more sense if it's not in Old English. Okay, verse 23? Yeah, start there. Okay. <clears throat> it says, Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? Suppose you find 50 righteous people living there in the city. You will still sweep it away and not spare it for their sakes? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous along with the wicked. Why, you would be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same. Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord replied, If I find fifty righteous people in Sodom, I will spare the entire city for their sake. Then Abraham spoke again, Since I have begun, let me speak further to my Lord, even though I am but dust and ashes. Suppose there are only forty-five righteous people rather than fifty. You destroy the whole city for lack of five. And the Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five righteous people there. Then Abraham pressed his request further. Suppose there are only forty. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it for the sake of the forty. Please don't be angry, my Lord, Abraham pleaded. Let me speak. Suppose only thirty righteous people are found. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it if I find thirty. Then Abraham said, Since I have dared to speak to the Lord, let me continue. Suppose there are only twenty. And the Lord replied, Then I will not destroy it for the sake of the twenty. Finally, Abraham said, Lord, please don't be angry with me if I... Suppose only ten are found there. And the Lord replied, Then I will not destroy it for the sake of the ten. When the Lord had finished his conversation with Abraham, he went on his way, and Abraham returned to his tent. In Abraham's mind, surely there were ten. Right. But there weren't. Mm, That's true. And Abraham was, you know, he, because of his relationship with the Lord, Lot and his family were saved, except his wife turned back. That's a famous story that even people who don't read the word know that Lot's wife turned around and turned into a pillar of salt. She longed for that, for that place when they were leaving. Uh Uh-huh. And that's why she turned into a pillar of salt. And as you were reading it in your version, which is a lot more clear than the old English, what the Lord impressed upon me is we have Sodom and Gomorrah all over again. Oh, absolutely. But he has not destroyed it because for the sake of the righteous. Right. He has covenant people on this earth that he knows are not part of that. Mm-hmm. And he has not destroyed the earth for, those, for the sake of those people. Amen. We have a covenant with Almighty God. When we understand who we are because of what Jesus did and the fact that we chose to receive what he did, it makes all the difference. Right. It has nothing to do with how wonderful I am or how wonderful you are 
or how intelligent we are or how gorgeous we are. And none of that matters. What matters is Jesus paid the price and we accepted what he, what he did. That's right. And when we understand our standing with God, then we're not hesitant to remind him of his work. Right. Abraham, Abraham started with, you are a righteous God. You are a just God. Will not, the, will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Nowhere in that passage, is, in either version, does God chastise, chastise him and say, do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> now, in Job, he does do that. Yeah. But that's because they saw, Job's friends saw him differently than he really was. Right. And it angered him because they were trying to correct Job when they had their own things to deal with. But he doesn't do that with Abraham. Well, no, because Abraham, he considered Abraham a friend. So he talked to Abraham like he talked to a friend. Correct. They were on equal terms. Right. When you have a friend and it's a close friend. One of you is not better than the other. You're on equal, you're on equal footing. Right. And a true friend, when someone has a close friendship, a true friendship, a friend can, can correct a friend and the, and the friend that's corrected doesn't feel badly about it. Yeah, exactly. And if you're, a, if you're in a friendship with God, he corrects you. You don't feel badly about it. You just make the correction. Mm-hmm. because he's trying to help you he's not trying to kill you <laughs> not trying to take away all your fun he's trying to help you keep you from falling into a pit right and people have forgotten that because this society is so apt to be offended so apt to be well who are you to tell me get all that that arrogance and that pride going Mm-hmm. That they can't hear, they're not, they're no longer pliable or teachable, and they and they can't hear, and God can't work with somebody like that. Right, right. And I heard Bill Winston not too long ago, and he was saying it doesn't matter how many degrees you have, right. it doesn't none of, none of, doesn't matter how where you were raised, doesn't matter how you were raised, doesn't matter whether you had all the advantages in the natural or not because God will take you regardless of where you're at Mm -hmm. and um, bring you up to where he needs you to be. He'll, he'll give you that anointing to do that job in the natural you couldn't possibly do. Exactly. And the thing about that is that God doesn't, show any favor he doesn't have any favorites he doesn't show favoritism what he does for one person he will do for the next Mm -hmm. so if you know god does something amazing for me and anoints me to do something for him he's going to do it for someone else if they're willing Mm -hmm. he doesn't run out of the anointing give you all of it and he doesn't have any more to offer right but if a person who sees what he does with you gets upset because he did it for you, they cut themselves off from getting the same kind of treatment. Right. There's way too much competition 
There's mm-hmm. way too much looking at other people and what they what they do with God and how they hear from God and how they get the results and what manifests for them. There's way too much of that. Because God is available to all of us. That's, he is. He's not hiding from anyone. Mm-mm. He's not. He, he said, seek me and you will find me. Yeah. You know, the I think the one thing that people need to understand, though, and it's a lesson that I took me a while to learn, you know, in my youth, is that even though God's love is unconditional, his blessings are not. No, they're not. So there are certain things that need to, we need to do, you know, in order for God to bless us. And the number one thing I believe is obedience. Mm-hmm. And walk the love line. Keep right. that love line. I don't care what it costs your flesh. Keep that love line. Quick to repent, quick to forgive. Right. All that harassment that I was dealing with for, for a extended period of time, longer than I wanted, at my day job, yeah, disappeared the moment I realized that I, what I needed to do is instantly take authority and then forgive. The minute I started taking authority, I was, for a long time I just took authority. When I learned to finally take authority and then say, and I forgive that person because that was not them. That was those spirits. Right. So I forgive them. I hold no ought against anyone. Mm-hmm. And the minute I added that forgiveness um, element to that whole thing, I, I've had a peaceful day at work every day now since then. I can't even tell you how long it's been. Some days are busier than others, but I've had a peaceful day. Right. And I know it has, it, that was a huge thing, and I didn't even realize it was a huge thing. If I had known to put that element in sooner, <laughs> I would have had the results sooner, but I didn't, it didn't dawn on me that that's what, something I needed to do. It is, and that's something that, it's one of those fundamentals that we, we talk about, you know, is... Um, Getting back forgiveness (laughs) is a big part of it. It is because it's part of the love line. Right. The Lord says, if if you don't forgive, I can't forgive you. Exactly. And a lot of people don't really understand or believe that, that there are, there are consequences to carrying unforgiveness and walking in unforgiveness towards people. Mm Mm-hmm. And there really are. I mean, they reminded me of, I think I told you this story about that book that I read and I can't remember. I really wish I had this book. I the told Lord, you will, the Lord will bring it back to you. If you want it bad, you know, ask him for it and you want it, the Lord will bring it back into your, right. into your hands. I believe he will. You know, and I may even have it because um, I've got literally <laughs> boxes, boxes of books. I just don't have the bookshelf space <laughs> to right. put all my books up. Mark 4.22, ask the Lord to show you exactly where it is. Oh, yeah, I need to do that. But it it could be in in one of these boxes that I have packed full of books. Um, But there there was a, that woman who went to hell for so many days. I I can't remember how many days it was. I want to say it was, I want to say 28 days, 21, 28 days, something like that. Every night the Lord would 
come and visit her and he would take her down into hell. And, and she was saying that the, the, the caverns in hell were shaped like the human body. And he would take her from one portion of the body to the next portion of the body, these, these caves in, in hell. And she was saying that there was, there was one port, there's one place that she, that the Lord had taken her to. And she looked down and she saw this woman and this woman, <coughs> excuse me, was of course being highly tormented and she was really wanting to be out of hell. And the Lord spoke to this woman and told her that, um, that that woman who was screaming, who was in hell was a pastor's wife. And the reason she was in hell was because her husband had committed adultery while they were on earth and she never forgave him. So that, that should tell you the seriousness of not forgiving. Yeah. Yeah. There was a story that I thought about when you were right before you told this one, Jerry Savelle had gone to minister to a woman who was dying of cancer and she only had, they estimate she was in intensive care and they had estimated she wasn't going to live, you know, more than a day or so, uh -huh. if that. And as he was going, he didn't know what he was going to pray or how he was going to pray for or whatever. The, her husband begged him to come and other people told her, you know, told him, please come to, you know, minister to her. And as he's driving over to the hospital, the Lord said to her, said to him, tell her if she will forgive her husband, I will raise her up. And he had committed adultery like, you know, decades before. Mm -hmm. And he got to the hospital and he says, the Lord said for me to tell you, if you will forgive your husband, he will raise you up. And she looked at him with hatred in her eyes and said, I will never forgive him. Mm -hmm. And she was dead within a couple of hours. Wow. <clears throat> so, yes, it is serious. And she might have been that same woman that the woman saw. <laughs> you know, Very I well could have been. <laughs> could have been the same woman. I don't know. But, I mean, I've, I've as you know, I've been married. Uh -huh. and, and both husbands cheated on me. Yeah. And I had to forgive. Yeah. I didn't have a choice. I had yeah. to. I, I went through the same thing. Went through the yeah, exact same thing. Except, you know, during my, during my marriage, um, at the time that he was having his affair, I was, I was pregnant with our child. So, you know, I went through that entire pregnancy, basically without any of his help, without any of his caring, you know, and, and no, yeah, yeah. So it, it, forgiveness didn't come easy for a long time. And, you know, from like 2001 to 2005, you know, it was just absolutely every time I heard his voice, you know, there was, I always say that, you know, growing up, I was very even tempered, you know, I, it took a lot to, to anger me. And, you know, even considering the way that I grew up, and the things that I was exposed to as a child that would probably, you know, 
cause someone to be, you know, deal with, you know, have outbursts and deal with their trauma in a certain way. But anyway, the, the point of that is, you know, I always thought that I was so even tempered and that I never really had a temper until that, happened. until that, I mean, he, <laughs> he unlocked a temper in me that, and an anger in me that I did not know existed. And I will, you know, while we're talking about back to basics, because this is part of the basics. Mm -hmm. You can make, even if your flesh does not want to forgive, and we've all been there, Mm -hmm. you can say to the Lord, I make a quality decision now to forgive Susie Q. Right. It is now 4.08 Mountain Standard Time on... um, January 28th, 2023. And I choose to forgive Susie Q. Right. And write down the time and the date. And put under it, I, I forgave Susie Q at 408 Mountain Standard Time on January 28th, 2023. For a while, you may have to carry it with you. Because mm-hmm. I can guarantee you that the enemy is going to try to bring up those emotions all the time <laughs> and the hurt. But if you yeah. have that piece of paper, you have it in writing, you can pull it out and go, no devil on, on uh, January 28th, 2023 at 4.08 PM mountain standard time. I forgave Susie Q. Right. She's already forgiven. Mm-hmm. That works. It does. That's an act of your will, but that works. When you make that quality decision to forgive, especially if you do that, I don't have to do that anymore, but the first few times I had to, I was forgiving, I had to write it down with the date and the time. And, you know, I was at this place at this time, you know, very, very legal, very specific. I no mm-hmm. longer have to do that, but I did do it for a while. And it really helps to be able to pull it out of your pocket and say, no, devil. <laughs> At this time, and be, you know, because he's a legalist, right? And he has no defense because that goes back to James four. I put James four on on that that platform that we're both on earlier this week because the Lord quickened me to do it. Mm-hmm. James four. I got to find it first because people half half quote scripture sometimes. And when they quote it, half of it, it's the half that isn't going to be effective without the other half. Right. So people will say, resist the devil and he shall, he will flee from you. That's uh, James four, seven mm-hmm. B, but there's an A it says first submit yourselves therefore to god resist the devil and he will flee from you so when you're when you have that written down like that you are mm-hmm. submitting yourself to god right you're doing what he told you to do and after you read that that date and time and i did this at this time and ccq's been forgiven as a 408 mountain you know after you yeah. read that a couple of times to the devil he won't come back right away He'll wait a couple of days and then come back with that anger, Mm -hmm. hoping you forgot (laughs) that you forgave Susie Q at that time in that place. 
and that's right. it. But he will flee. He flees and start that flee in, in the Greek means to run and start terror. Because when you're submitted to God, when we're submitted to God, because we have a covenant with God, because we are joint heirs with Jesus, when we are submitted to God and we resist him, he has to flee. That's right. Amen. He does not have a choice. All right. And he is a creature of of pride but he's also full of fear but he's only afraid of the ones with the power that's right so if it's i've seen people and you have too play with this when you play with it he doesn't there's no threat to him right all he has to do is get up in your face and go boo and the person runs <laughs> that's true but that's not what that's not what we're supposed to do we no. have to walk that love line and when we walk that love line, we are submitted. And God knows, God knows better than anybody how many times a day we have a choice whether we're going to walk in love or we're going to have an outburst, whether we're going to walk in love or we're going to forgive, whether right. we're going to walk in love or try to give something. I'm going to give her a piece of my mind. Well, if we physically, actually, literally gave a piece of our mind to every person that we thought deserved it, we wouldn't have any mind left very quickly. <laughs> that is absolutely true. <clears throat> and when you listen to somebody like Dr. Caroline Leaf, you find out that our bodies were not created to be in strife. It actually does create brain damage in the neural pathways of your brain. If you are someone who's constantly getting offended and getting in strife and getting angry and having outbursts it's actually rewiring your brain and it's breaking things in your brain that's right have you have you seen the pictures of that because she's shown pictures of that i've seen it in um other uh neuroscientific study that i've done because i'm into neuroscience right i know you are yeah that's so right. and i actually not too long ago just ordered this um package of caroline leaf um it's a it's a a book in a in a study book then there's another book and then there's a dvd mm -hmm. and so i haven't even gotten to open it yet and start reading it but you know i have seen the damage that you know that kind of those kind of things can do to the brain and it's a it, it, it's a big deal i mean you, when you're whole when your whole brain is being rewired, see, you can rewire your brain. This is something that I've been working on for the last several months because, you know, I had anxiety. I had depression. I had um, brain fog. I had all these things, you know, my, my, I didn't have very much clarity. My, my, uh, my memory was going bad. And I thought, you know, this this isn't this is you know because i started to feel old to be honest with you all those things that happen to you when you get old sometimes you know um i saw my my father go through dementia according, according to man according to man yeah and you know when my father passed away last year it's been um it was a year on the 26th of this month which is just a couple of days ago mm -hmm. and um you know, he had dementia. I watched his memory decline sufficiently and very quickly. Um, I see my, my mother going through the same thing. 
Um, I've seen where, you know, my son has dealt with anxiety and depression. And there are certain things that I've encouraged him to do, the same things that I did to rewire my brain. And it made, it made a tremendous difference. You've heard me talk for years about meditating the word. Yes. And the reason that I started doing it, I had been doing it for quite some time before I ever heard Dr. Caroline Leaf. Mm-hmm. But one of the questions I had, which nobody had ever addressed when I, they would talk about meditation of the word, right. was how long do you meditate in scripture? No one could, no one answered that question for me. So I, I had prayed and I said, Lord, I want to know if there's a length of time that is optimum for meditating the word. When you're meditating the word, I mean, I could meditate it, you know, for five minutes. I could meditate for a minute. I could meditate it for an hour if I had the time, but I, I really want to know if there's an, an actual optimum amount of time. And it was because of Dr. Caroline Leaf that I found out that if you are meditating the word or really, you know, working on anything for seven minutes every single day, in three weeks, you started to form a new habit. Right. In six weeks of seven days a week at seven minutes, you have now created a new groove in your brain mm-hmm. that is there forever. It doesn't go away. And the when when my memory my memory the enemy tried to attack my memory and i i I said okay i need scripture and one of the scriptures i go through every day i don't meditate this one because the lord hasn't impressed me to do it but i do quote it every day and oftentimes more than once a day it is in proverbs 10 verse 7 The memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. And if the enemy tries to do something with my memory, I'm like, no, the memory of the just is blessed. Yeah. I have, I have a very sharp memory. And my memory is, has been completely, the little bit that he tried, it, it left almost immediately. Right. Because I immediately applied the word to it. This is what the ba- what we've been talking about going back to the basics. This, this is the type of stuff. This is where the rubber meets the road. If, you, if, if a person addresses an issue quickly when it manifests, or even if they see that they're going in a certain direction and immediately find a scripture and, and begin to use it, it mm-hmm. turns around very quickly. Right. It's much easier to turn a boat that's in motion with the rudder than it is to take a boat that's headed way off course, you know, many degrees off course, and then try to just immediately get it straightened out. It'll turn, but it's going to take a long time to get it back on course. Yeah. That's why the captain of a ship keeps his, keeps an eye on that course and keeps it on the course. It's much easier to make the little correction at the moment than have to spend hours or days or weeks getting back to where you should have been. That's right. And most people don't want to do that. They want to just wait on it and and talk about it and talk about it. And, oh, this is this and this is that. And this is what's happening. How much complaining do you hear me do? You? Very little. (laughs) Hardly at all. 
Why? Because I know <laughs> the power of my words. Yeah, that's right. And I'm not going to put something out there that's going to take me up forever to clean up because mm-hmm. I made a few foolish comments. Right. I'm not going to let the enemy use my tongue. He needs my tongue to do anything to me. He does. And if I won't give him my tongue, I'm going to have to go find somebody else. That's right. And he will. He will. Because there's always somebody out there with loose lips. You yeah. Know that, old, that old expression, loose lips sink ships. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I always thought that was a silly thing until I learned about the power of the words. Right. That they speak. Then I realized, no, that's not really a silly saying. That probably came from somebody who knew the power of their words. Well, that's true because words are very powerful and if we spend more time complaining and that's what, that's what we've been trying to get people to understand for the longest time is that when you, when you're speaking something, you're speaking it into existence. You are creating that reality for yourself. Yeah. You're giving life to it. Yeah. And then you'll have those who will argue with you for hours that, you know, you, we, we aren't creative. We don't create anything that it just is what it is. And I'm like, well, that's not true because, you know, here's this scripture, here's this scripture, here's this scripture. And it all, it's all scriptures about speaking. When people start doing, giving that kind of an argument to me, I usually look at them and say, if you're seriously wanting to know the answer to this, look up the word lips, mouth, tongue, and words and study every, look at every scripture that references any of those words Mm -hmm. in the Bible. Oh, you don't have time for that? Okay, go through the book of Proverbs and mark every scripture, every verse that mentions words, lips, tongue, or words. And then come back and tell me that it's not valid. Right. Again, it's just, you know, this is part of the basics, you know. It is absolutely the basics. Because if you get this, you can move on to, to absolutely change the world around you, the atmosphere around you. We are world changers we with our words. That's right. That series that Bill did that I sent you those two links, I am ordering that series. I haven't ordered it yet, but I am ordering it. Oh, wow. Because I, I really think I would like to have a copy of that. Mm-hmm. And I've been ordering on USB because... I have a player that plays USB along with CDs and they last longer using USB. It lasts longer than a CD does. Yeah. I ordered the, that one that I sent you from Charles. Right. This week. And they only had it on MP3 where you had to download it, which mm-hmm. I don't like doing right. or CD. So I ordered it on CD because we absolutely have to understand what God is intends in these last days. We were, it's no accident that we were set on this earth at this time. Right. And I honestly think that there's a mm-hmm. lot of churches and a lot of people that have been in church that once they find this stuff out, they're going to need a, they're going to need a, a resource to understand how to, how to navigate this because it's something they've never been taught. Right. Right. 
I mean, I can't, I, I try to imagine what it would have been like if we had no, all of us been doing this from the beginning. And I, my mind can't go there. I mean, not yet anyway. Yeah. I've tried because I mean, I think about what would it have been like if we had been doing this all along? Exactly. It would have been days of heaven on earth. But one of the things that was pointed out in a sermon years ago that I remember was Adam lived over 900 years. Mm-hmm. Each successive generation was had a shorter lifespan. Yeah. Because once the curse came in the earth, people started talking with loose lips. They were no longer talking like Adam talked. Right. And now people don't expect to live to be more than 70 or so. That's that's true. And it's because of that. Mm-hmm. Because of the curse on the earth. And because people don't expect it. Yeah. When my body doesn't act right, I talk to it. Of course. But to most people, that seems odd. It's odd because they don't understand it. Right. I don't know what I was talking about with my boss earlier this week. But we had a one-on-one and something was said. And I said, words are the most powerful thing on this earth. There's nothing more powerful than, than words. Right. And she, we were doing a, you know, Zoom kind of a meeting. Google Meet or, is what we actually use. But we, and she saw my face. She didn't have anything to say to that. I think it hit her profoundly. But she didn't have, she just kind of looked at me. (laughs) And I don't remember the context of why I said it, but it was, you could have heard a pin drop, literally. I know. That's something, it's very hard for people to rub their heads around that because it's it's not something that we're taught. It's taught, right. And when you don't understand something, you know, and somebody says something like that, sometimes people will just brush it off and say, well, I don't believe that. Well, if you don't believe it, you don't believe it. That's fine. It's not going to work for you. Right. It will work for them, but it'll work in reverse. It'll work. <laughs> it'll work in reverse. Yeah. Right. Fortunately. Because you, you, I can't stop. I can't uh, make somebody believe that words will work for them. Mm-hmm. But regardless Words are going to affect their life. Right. Whether they believe it or not. Exactly. Words have been and will continue to affect their lives, regardless of what they believe. I always tell people, you know, look at your life, you know, and the way it is right now. You know, look at how your life has turned out and then kind of go back and and recall what you've spoken over yourself and over your life the last several years you know like and you will see that you've gotten exactly what you said exactly right because i see a lot of people and i talk to a lot of people who you know oh they will say that they're in they're in a horrible marriage they're in a horrible loveless marriage and they'll confess that all the time you know we just we our marriage is just horrible. You know, we don't communicate. We don't do this. We don't do that. And I'm like, well, is that what you're speaking over your, over your marriage that it's horrible and that it's, you know, loveless and that it's non-communicative 
because if that's what you're speaking over it, then that's obviously why your why your marriage is the way it is, right? Yeah, right. and it's any situation. It's not that. It's it's any situation. It's your finances. It's it's your relationships. It's your business. It's your your ministry. You know, whatever you're speaking your over health. Your, in your it's health, your exactly. Health. Right. Yeah, you have to be able to. You have to be able to turn that thing around you have to know how to turn it around with your words because it will turn it will turn it will it doesn't doesn't have a choice it will turn if you hold fast your confession of faith without wavering it will turn it will and don't quit just because it doesn't happen overnight that's where hold fast your confession of faith without wavering. why would he say hold fast why not just say hold on to your words he said, hold fast yeah. your confession of faith. You have right. a fight to hold on to that. You have to fight to hold on to those words. Right. Because the enemy will do everything he can to keep you from doing that. Right. But you have to make up your mind. You know, you know that there was someone who passed on the 8th of January. You know who I'm talking about. Uh-huh. Yeah. I finally heard the story of what happened. Yeah. Because the two sisters were together when that happened. Right. And I was so grieved when I heard that story. Yeah, me too. You, you heard exactly what happened at that moment? Yes. And it's because they didn't, they are believers. But they did, were not taught what to do. Right. The one who was dealing with the symptoms and past... Or the one who was there with her. Either one of them could have said in the name of Jesus, no, airways open up. I command this, whatever, whatever spirits are involved in this, I command you that you're loosed, bound and loose from operating any further. Breathe, breathe the breath of life. Right. And that would have completely turned around. But they didn't know. Right. That's why it's so important to surround yourself with people of faith who know these things. Mm-hmm. Because in a, in a situation like that, you may not be able to be the one to do it. You may need to depend on the people around you. That's true. But had they known, that would have turned out completely different. I believe so. I know so. I know so. There's, that, that's those are the type of things that that grieve me. Yeah, because I don't know what their pastor t- was teaching or has been teaching them, but it wasn't that. And there was a story that I heard years ago, where this father. Um, had lost his son because something happened in emergency kind of situation. The father didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And he went to a certain preacher that we both know who that is. Yeah. And said, what, ha- I don't understand. I don't understand what happened. And the, the preacher said, what do I say? What did I say to this guy? You know, Oh God, just need another angel in heaven. I mean, that's what a lot of preachers would have said. And the Lord said, this is what you tell him. So he said what the Lord said to say, which was, you lost at the game of life. The devil came 
and stole the life from you. Yeah. And a few years later, after his son had passed, there was another incident that came up. But between the first time and the second time, that father went in the word, got in the word and learned what to do. And another emergency came up with somebody in his family. And he says, oh, no, you don't, devil. You're not doing it this time. So-and-so will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. I command you to take your hands off the situation. And that person was fine. Mm, amen. You have to know what to do. Yeah. And it can't be something that you, oh, wait a minute, devil, give me a minute. I got to go get my Bible and figure it out. You don't have time for that. No. Uh -uh. Not at all. Now, we're, we call, we're calling this back to the basics part two. But I know that if there's people that are brand new to this podcast, they probably feel like this isn't basic. It absolutely is basic. God wants us to go further than this in these days. He wants all of heaven, all of heaven and everyone on the earth to see the glory of God. The earth shall be filled with the glory of God as the, as the waters cover the sea. With the knowledge of the glory is what it says. Excuse me. The earth should be filled with the knowledge of the glory. Some mm -hmm. people will see it and know that it happened, but they won't be part of it. Yeah. For those who want to be part of it, it's time to step up. Right. That's why we're going through this. So we're going to unhook here. I've given... We've both given a lot to think about. So we're going to unhook here. So, and as a reminder, you can go to VivianLMiller.com. You can, you can buy my books if you choose to buy them. You, there's a lot of free resources on my website, VivianLMiller.com. But until next time, walk in faith, walk in victory, speak the word of God. And remember, defeat the darkness. <laughs>